Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 5th, 2011. For newcomers, you should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find hundreds of audios to download for free and hopefully you'll get a start, a head start on and lots of shortcuts to understanding this big system you're living under where they train you to be goody little people at the bottom and the crooks are all at the top. And that's as simple as it can really be, actually, and it's explained that way. They train you to be awfully naive and preoccupied with trivia and fairly happy. And uh, meanwhile, you're being robbed blind by those at the top who, are, who live in luxury, really, from all of your, your work under various guises and rules and regulations and laws. And remember, any law can be applied by those in power. And really, the tops of governments are just the successful gangs that have moved in a long time ago and pass it on to new members as they leave office. That's really what government is. And it's across the whole world. They call it democracy now. They've called it other names in the past. And it doesn't really matter what they call it, um, as long as they're all on board together. And pirates tend to be that way. So... Take the, the website and help yourself to all those audios. Remember, too, you're the audience that helped me to help me keep going, that is, with all this information. And you can do so by buying the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you'll find out how to do it on the com site. Remember, all the sites listed have transcripts as well as audios. Uh, and all those uh, sites on there. If you want transcripts in other languages uh, apart from English, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and you can take your pick from the variety offered there. And you can buy the books, and just as I say, uh, they've got for sale. From the US to Canada, you can still use a personal check or an international postal money order. Some people just send cash. And you can also use PayPal to order. You'll see the donation button on the com site. Use that and follow it with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And remember, straight donations are also welcome as well. And I try and document, uh, doc- uh, just quickly, basically keep tracks uh, for future generations, if there's going to be any, that is, of how we get into the next step of control and how we all adapt to it as well and the science is behind the adaptation policies that we all seem to go through without even knowing we're going through them. But every generation is, uh, doesn't simply make its own culture or cultural changes. They're told and trained how to be the new culture, and they adapt to the new behavior that's shown to them through media and entertainment, and it's always from the top down, never from the bottom up. In fact, anything from the bottom uh, that starts itself, trying to go off in some other direction, is generally dealt with very quickly by the authorities. They don't like that. Plato talked about all of the system uh, a couple of thousand years ago, over 2,000 years ago, and um, he mentioned that all culture must be authorized by the state and all cultural changes as well. That's music, entertainment, uh, even the media, which is news. And, of course, you give you lots of trivia as well to keep you preoccupied with oohs and ahs 
you know, all, all the scary stuff and mystery stuff and things like that. Lots of sex, of course, because this is a time for sex. And as long as we don't breed, and uh, that's part of the policy as well. Plus, you don't bond. But we're going through the great changes, as I say, and the big boys at the top are taking over the entire planet, and all of the resources have gone through the history of this with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which came out of the Milner Group and Cecil Rhodes Bunch, and they've set up an American branch called the CFR to do the same thing with America. Canada has its branch as well, Australia, New Zealand, India, and a few other countries as well. They're all in it together to bring in what they call democracy, which is a standardized system of living in debt for all of us at the bottom across the entire planet so that we can be ruled by the pirates. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. And I've talked before about how things are planned so far in advance. We'll never really know how far in advance all the wars, the the economic depressions, the austerity idea, are planned an awful long time ago, I'm sure. And I've said for years, they always crash the economy when it's time to crash the economy, not because it just happens by itself. Because it's all based on optimism and bubbles, it always is, and lies. That's how you get profit, selling the same thing over and over and passing it along, is to give a very good PR and say it's worth an awful lot of cash when this particular uh, thing is not at all. And that's what happened with the last crash. It was time to pull the plug and bring us into austerity. And again, to, to, it also brought a lot of nations under the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and all the other banks that they're, they're borrowing from. Remember, the World Bank is a private uh, organization run by international moneylenders. And so everything under the UN is, is really uh, owned and run by the bankers, these moneylending families, actually. Now, we've heard before about uh, how they wanted to bomb uh, a whole series of countries and this article is about this, in the Middle East, that is. And uh, this article starts off in a false premise because they probably don't know. But I've mentioned it before, and it's, it's from uh, Press Corps. And it says, uh, just 10 days after the 9-11, uh, the Pentagon was given orders by Bush and Cheney White House to make plans to attack Iraq and six other countries. Now, I've talked about that many times in the past. Ten years ago, in September 2001, the U.S. government had their military sites set on Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Iran. The United States government had already made plans to launch armed attacks against the above-mentioned countries without provocation. An interview with a four-star United States general revealed the United States government's plan for seven wars of aggression. Three of those seven unprovoked wars of aggression were to steal the oil and natural gas reserves of the attacked countries. Iraq, Libya, and Iran, all rich in oil-producing nations, and, uh, and will be victims of U.S. and U.S.-led wars of aggression. Now, the fact is, you see, when Bush Jr. was in, uh, they had an organization before even he got in, in fact, called the New American Century, with Wolfowitz, Cheney, Pearl, and a whole bunch of them on board. And on their own site in the 90s, they had the list of countries they wanted to attack. And at the same time, too, Israel also had the same countries listed and were actually um, pretty well telling the U.S. to go ahead and do this. So they were all on board together. So it was in the 90s they actually had this list all drawn up. 
Anyway, this is from the general, uh, who, General Wesley Clark, and there's a little video on this article too, where you'll hear him actually talking during the interview about this when he found out uh, they were going to have this one war after another with all of these countries. Anyway, it says there were no weapons of mass destruction or links to the CIA-created al-Qaeda in Iraq, and there is neither in Libya and Iran. So the U.S. government has decided to use CIA-recruited and paid foreign mercenaries to start up armed rebellions against the governments of the targeted countries. And it's true, they've been working, as I say, since the 90s for all of this. The Libya rebels are and have always been CIA-paid and controlled foreign mercenaries, uh, the people being killed in Libya and Syria are not civilians, they are CIA mercenaries. The job of the CIA foreign mercenaries is to create the illusion that Libya and Syrian civilians are revolting and are being unjustly killed by Libyan and Syrian forces. The CIA foreign mercenaries are sent to Libya and Syria to create a pretext for a U.S. armed attack. The goal is to steal the oil reserves of Libya and Iran. So why attack Syria? Well, Syria was on that list in the New American Century as well. That was to be the last one, I think, to go down, they said. The U.S. wants sanctions against Syria because Syria has produced heavy-grade oil from fields located in the northeast since the late 1960s. In the early 1980s, light-grade low-sulfur oil was discovered near Deir's as Zawar in eastern Syria. This discovery relieved Syria of the need to import light oil to mix with domestic heavy crude and refineries. Recently, Syrian oil production has been about 530,000 barrels per day. The government has successfully begun to work with international energy companies to develop Syria's promising natural gas reserves, both for domestic use and export. And the U.S. energy firm uh, Phillips completed a large natural gas gathering and production facility for Syria in late 2000 and served as operator of the plant until December 2005. In 2003, Syria experienced some success in attracting U.S. petroleum companies, sending an exploration deal with partners Devon Energy and Gulf Sands and a seismic survey contract with Veritas. The proven reserves of Syria's five oil fields located in the northeastern part of the country amounted to an estimated 2.5 billion barrels uh, in the United States and 21 billion barrels altogether, it says here. Anyway, when you scroll down, as I say, you go to each one of the countries and all of the natural resources that they have. Now remember, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the ones who came out of the Cecil Rhodes Group, whose mission it was to take over all of the resources of the planet. That's what they wanted to do, all gold, diamonds, all everything, even food. It's still on the go. It's never changed. And that's one thing that Quigley said. They said um, organizations can come and go, but when you set up foundations a big foundation like the Rockefeller and all the other foundations out there, uh, you can literally hire, retire, hire, retire for many generations and always stick to the same goals, you see. And that's what they do. Anyway, there's a, a, as I say, there's a, a video there with General Wesley Clark, retired four-star U.S. Army General, Supreme Allied Commander of NATO during the 1999 war on Yugoslavia. He says, I've been through the Pentagon right after 9-11. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and saw Secretary Rumsfeld and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who used to work for me, and one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you've got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. And he said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. That's 2001. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So I said, well, did they find some information connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He said, 
There's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq, he said. I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good uh, military and we can take down governments. And he said, I guess uh, the only tool you have is a hammer. Every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He reached down over his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just got this from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today. And he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. I said, is it classified? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, don't show it to me. And I saw him a year or so ago. And I said, you remember that? He said, sir, I don't know. I didn't show you that memo. I didn't show you it to you, he says. But then you'll hear and see Clark discussing this uh, for himself. Uh, it was done on March two, second, 2007 in an interview with Democracy Now! But uh, that's how things are planned, long in advance. And all propaganda kicks in and they demonize our enemies and all that kind of stuff. What's interesting, too, on the same page, you'll notice just the right of it, it says the Federal Reserve has doled up more than $16 trillion since Barack Obama was sworn in as the 44th and current president of the United States of America. This figure is 10 times higher than what the U.S. Congress authorized, and Bush, who was started at $700 billion, and Obama at $787 billion, signed off on. The Federal Reserve was only authorized by Congress to use $1.487 trillion in federal tax dollars and bailouts. That means the Federal Reserve embezzled another $14.5 trillion under the leadership of Mr. Obama when Obama became uh, president on January the 20th, 2009. The national debt was $10.2 trillion. Today the national debt is equal to the amount of money the privately owned Federal Reserve banks uh, have embezzled from the U.S. people, which is $14.5 trillion. In just two years, Obama has added $4 trillion to the national debt. On August 2nd, 2011, Mr. Obama added another $2.4 trillion to the debt as well. So, there you go. It's just the same old nonsense with money, because it's, it's a big joke, really. It's, but it's a serious joke, because the ones at the top can joke about it. We've had to take it very seriously, because if you can get enough of this thing called money, or, or they devalue it, uh, and you can't afford the high prices, then you can't eat or you can't pay your rent or your mortgage, and that's it. So it's a form of slavery, and for control purposes, it's very important for controlling people and populations across the whole planet, for those in charge, that is. I'd also like to bring uh, attention to um, the companies. This is from Bloomberg. It says, British companies trading with Iran hidden by UK to avert US sanctions. It's interesting, all the sanctioning stuff you don't hear about. The UK government is determined to keep secret British companies uh, secret. The British companies that apply to sell goods with potential military uses to Iran, saying international banks are under US pressure to drop them as clients. It actually is, when you actually read down it, it's the big banks who are pressurizing the government uh, not to do deals with Iran. And uh, that's what interested me. Uh, it's the same thing in papers, too. We don't want to do something in newspapers and they don't like what's been, been written. Big organizations, or even the banks themselves, put pressure, they lean on the newspapers, and then they have to retract it or give them a, a nice write-up. It's the same thing here. Uh, when they don't want you trading with companies, with other countries, doing embargoes, uh, they simply cut you off 
or they get to withdraw your bank account, actually, and just close you down. That's the power of the state. We seldom think about these things. So I'll put this link up as well. And then I'd like to go into uh, how society literally is crumbling like you would not believe. I mean, I just read that Alaska, Alaskans are offered free at home sexually transmitting disease testing kits. I know they've got long nights up there, but I mean, really, Alaskans can now receive a home test kit for sexually transmitted diseases in an anonymous envelope, complete with instructions, a unique identification number, and a prepaid return envelope to send self-collected vaginal, penile, or rectal swabs (laughs) and specially sealed test tubes to the I Want the Kit lab at John Hopkins University. Well, why is this happening? Well, we'll go into this when I come back from this break. Folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the high incidences of certain sexual diseases or transmitted diseases in Alaska, and that they're getting kits now sent to their homes, uh, which will be tested when they send them back to John Hopkins University. So the lab tests uh, the swabs for chlamydia, gonorrhea, and trichomonas. Alaska had the highest chlamydia rate in the country in 2010 and the second highest rate of gonorrhea. Alaska has consistently had the first or second highest rates of chlamydia since 2000. The IWTK at home testing service is being introduced to help reduce those numbers. I think it will take a lot more to do that. And, you know, everyone has become so promiscuous because they've been trained to be so. You, you can't turn on television or even see an ad uh, without something going on. Uh, it's promote, promoting all this stuff. Plus, they really get them at school too. They tell them to just go out and do it. And they've, they've raised a generation like that. And this is part of the fallout of it too. Remember what um, it was Julian Huxley, who was the first CEO of UNESCO, said? He says we should you know, and create a society of promiscuity. And it doesn't matter what they do as long as they don't have children. That's the only important part of it. Because they don't bond, you see. They just have partner after partner. The kits are provided through a partnership between the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium, the Indian Health Service, and the John Hopkins University, and available for anyone residing in Alaska. It says this has been a collective endeavor amongst tribal state federal authorities in an effort to curb the epidemic rates of chlamydia and outbreaks of gonorrhea, said Connie Jensen. The, the STD program manager. We hope this testing kit initiative will provide a valuable addition to the currently available STD testing service in Alaska. The I Want the Kit program, I guess you turn it off now. You must give them a fake address or something when you get sent back. was launched in Baltimore in 2004 by John Hopkins University. The Hopkins Group originally designed the website, and it tells you the website, to track the new and recurrent infections by providing private confidential testing for chlamydia trachomitis. Uh, Nisera gonorrhea and trichomonas vaginalis. The kits are now available by phone or online if in Alaska and the lower 48. So it's interesting to say how this is part of the fallout of society. And then you, you just go into the United Nations. Now the United Nations quite a few years back brought out the rights of the child. And it's like everything else that comes out in this world, especially from the United Nations, uh, it sounds fair. That's all children should have rights, yeah? Until you realize when you read through it that, that it literally it takes away all rights from the parents. That was, it's not, that really was what its mission was. Well, part two is coming out. 
And the next part is that if you refuse your child to have sex, intergenerational sex with old people or older people, then you're really interfering with their freedom of choice. See how they want to go step by step by step? Interesting, eh? And... Um, and most folk don't think about it. And here's the stuff. This, this, is an, uh, this is a particular article here. It's a predictive programming article, and I'll go through it with you to show you how things are presented, to, to leave you with the wrong impression, the right and the wrong impression at the same time, and to leave the opinion in your head, which is no opinion at all, really. So it's far too much, far too young. Outrage over shocking, shocking images of the 10-year-old model who has graced the pages of Vogue. She reclines amongst leopard print pillows, her rouge lips uh, pouting at the camera, but shockingly the model in these highly sexualized pictures is only 10 years old. The provocative images of Thylene Lena Rose Blondo, who is tipped as the next big thing in the fashion scene, are causing a storm of controversy, with campaigners furious that a child so young should be displaying the sexual allure of someone twice her age. Well, this is the whole purpose of it. It's a predictive programming article. Gets you familiarized with the idea. Tylene has uh, appeared in numerous campaigns and her images all over the internet. Uh, to date, she has an impressive portfolio. She's French and all the rest of it, yada, yada, yada. And then it says, And the latest images, complete with heavy makeup and stiletto heels, which appear in the French Vogue, have brought the issue to a head. They come in the wake of a recent government initiative in the UK to enforce restrictions on the sexualization of children in the media and sexual content and advertising. And it says... Um, a spokesman for a mother's union told Mail Online, we have great concerns about the modeling agency who represents Blondo, which clearly does not know if it represents a child or an adult. Oh, they're very, very, very aware of what they're doing. And it says, um, uh, photo shoots requiring her, a 10-year-old girl dressed in full makeup, teetering heels, and a dress with a cleavage cut to the waist across her pre-pubescent body, deny Blondo the right to be the child she is. So, they go on into a different, instead of saying what it is, they go off into a different, a different area. They take a different uh, tact with it. And, and it says, um, it says, these images would, we hope, post Bailey Review, not pass through the standards of magazines, on-street advertising, and other media within the UK. In the review, a survey revealed that 88% of parents agreed that children under pressure grow up too quickly. So it's all about growing up too quickly. That's what it's about, see? With 58% accounting this to celebrity culture. That's all it is. That's all it is, you see. One blogger, it says, um, it said of the images, she's a beautiful little girl, uh, as are all 10-year-old girls. Well, I'm sure she'll make a terrific model someday. I find these pictures beyond disturbing. She's styled way too maturely, right? And experts, who's the experts in this, eh? Warned today that there's psychological damage done to children who are treated in this way as well. Dr. Emma Gray is a consultant, clinical psychologist, yeah, 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 which deals in behavioral therapy. She said the picture is the antithesis of what childhood in our society should be. And that's true. At one time, you were allowed to be a child. You weren't getting this rammed into your school uh, and all this stuff. And again, coming down from the United Nations uh, into your head, you didn't have it all over the TV. It's a child being exploited to a world she's not yet equipped to deal with solely to serve the needs of her adults around her. If children are to develop into happy, grounded, psychologically balanced people, their childhood needs to be spent appropriately preparing for the demands of the adult world. Well, maybe in a sense that's what they're training her to do, if you really think about it. But it's a predictive programming thing. They don't go into intergenerational sex or why the agenda is there in the first place. It's getting used to the idea this is all coming back with more after this break. Thank you. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back in Cutting Through the Matrix. And just to remind you again, as I said already, that uh, that article and many more will come out too, is, is timed to coincide with the United Nations Rights of the Child Part 2, where literally they're pushing now to forbid parents to stop their children having sex with older people because, you see, they've got the right to choose and uh, you're interfering with their right of choice. That's what they're claiming at the United Nations. This is always their agenda, mind you, always. And uh, it's working very well, according to the mayhem in society and the fallout everywhere. Meanwhile, too, with this, this world now of interdependence, which means no independence at all, especially when it comes to foods and things that you really need in water. Uh, another article from California. California moves to take away citizens' right to board cows and goats. And Michael Hume, uh, who is a former vice president of business development, for a semiconductor firm, he lost his position. Then he and his wife decided to make the, the, their love of animals into an enterprise and uh, they started off their business with, with some uh, uh, goats, basically. They were um, endangered and they took them over. And says it was a, co- a cause we really believed in, exclaims Mike. They became one of 18 goat breeders in the U.S. dedicated to bringing back the threatened heritage breed of goats, the Guernsey. Uh, this golden-haired uh, Breed originated in the British Isles and Guernsey, and today in the UK, there are less than 500 that remain. To support the goat breeding program, Mike and Jane have investors that buy the goats or share in a goat. The investors' reward is fresh goat's milk. Uh, city dwellers who are excited about the health benefits of raw milk sometimes decide to drink goat milk because for some it's more digestible. It's also highly prized by those with health problems as a healing agent. Well, in comes the government again, the Licensing Commercial Dairies Act and all the rest of it, and they shut them down. And I'll put this article up as well. This is happening all the time because, you see, you cannot be independent, especially when it comes to things for, for basic survival, food, water, shelter, heat, uh, clothing, things like that. That's the world you're coming into. And to do with, uh, we've all known for many, many years, especially since the Iran-Contra scandal about the, the drugs going, coming in, flooding the U.S. with the CIA behind it, and all the deals to do, plus the banks, as I say, even the ones in Canada, it was in papers uh, a while back, that so they'd collapse if the drugs stopped flowing. Anyway, the governments are behind it. It's not little people coming in with a, with a stuffed condom they've swallowed here and there. It's actually aircrafts that fly it, and especially aircrafts, and they're, they're protected. This is uh, Chicago. A Mexican man charged with smuggling tons of cocaine in the U.S. states told a federal judge in Chicago that U.S. authorities protected his outfit, the powerful Sinola Cartel in exchange for information on rival gangs. The defendant, who is Jesus Vincente Zambada Niebla, is the son of Ishmael El Mayo Zambada, reputed right-hand man of Sinaloa, cartel boss Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, <laughs> very Mexican, eh? and played an important role in the organization until his March 2009 arrest in Mexico City. Zambado Niebla was extradited to the United States in 2010 and will go on trial this week in Chicago. In legal pleading submitted to the U.S. District Judge Ruben Castillo, Zambada Niebla said the collaboration between the Sinaloa cartel and U.S. law enforcement arose from the 1995 drug indictment of Mexican attorney Humberto Loya Castro, a close confidant of Chapo Guzman. 
Loya suddenly became, uh, suddenly became a U.S. government informant, according to the pleading. Sometime prior to 2004, the U.S. government entered into an agreement with Loya and the leadership of the Sonola cartel, including Mayo and Chapo, the document says. Under that agreement, the Sonola cartel, through Loya, was to provide information accumulated by Mayo, Chapo and others against rival Mexican drug trafficking operations to U.S. authorities. In return, the U.S. government agreed to dismiss the prosecution of the pending case against Loya, not to interfere with his drug trafficking activities and those of the Sonola cartel, to not actively prosecute him, Chapo Mayo, and the leadership of the Sonola cartel, and to not apprehend them, the pleading claims. Just hours before his March 2009 arrest, Zambada Niebla said he met at a Mexico City hotel with U.S. agents who assured him the arrangement was still in effect, but that he would start communicating directly with the Drug Enforcement Administration rather than through lawyer. So, that's just standard stuff. It was the same with Bill Clinton when he was in office, how the drugs used to flow through Arkansas and planes would come in and out, and people knew darn well that it was CIA operations that were on the go. Anyone who really stuck their nose in too far, and there's some documentaries done about it, uh, suddenly got bumped off, and that's how things are in the real world. They don't allow you to mess around in their affairs at the top, and they're allowed to do things, you see, that no one else is down below. Also, there's an article here on Uncovering the military's secret military has to do with special forces and all the wars and the actions, illegal actions, by the way, according to any Geneva Convention or any other convention. But who cares about that? these things these days? They're bombing Libya against the Geneva Convention, and that is, they've broken all the laws. But anyway, it's about them sending in SEALs, teams and different ones into other countries where they've been, where they are, and the people they're killing off uh, without declaring war on those particular countries and lots of them in Pakistan too, long before they sent the chopper in, supposedly for Ben Laden. They were doing this on at least 12, 13 different occasions, going in and just bumping folk off in supposedly national sovereign nations. But nothing's new under the sun really, is it? And then <laughs> then you look at some... This one here, school ethics course, it's about, this is about Australia. Christian Democrat MP Reverend Fred Nile told the New South Wales Parliament the school ethics class course is based on a philosophy linked to Nazism and communism, which actually it is. And it says, um, the Christian Democratic Party told MP told Upper House this bill would abolish ethics classes in public schools at the end of the school year, saying that within just 2,700 students enrolled, the program had been a failure. It's relative ethics, which is the basic basis of secular humanism, and I believe this is a philosophy we saw during World War II with Nazis and with the communists, Mr. Nile told the Legislative Council. Ethics classes were introduced by the former Labour government as an alternative for children who didn't want to attend traditional scriptural classes. The Reverend Nile provoked anger against amongst Greens and Labour MPs when he said the dangerous secular humanist philosophy taught in the ethics course had led to the worst atrocities committed during World War II. And it's true that they teach humanism and eugenics, that's what it's based on. And then bring in philosophers who teach them moral relativity. Uh, in other words, uh, is life sacred? Yes, it is. And then they give you a scenario where you have to kill somebody to save someone else. And, of course, then they all change their minds. It really confuses you and gets you used to the idea that it's okay to kill people now and then. Uh, for the greater good, you understand. 
and it goes on and on all down the line, right down to what I talked about yesterday, and that was the organ market, the, the, the donation and organ markets is across the world now. And we've had many complaints, articles, you should say, where people have actually woken up and had their kidneys removed uh, after being doped or drugged. Uh, I mean, we're living in an awful society, and it's dehumanized because it's based on secular humanism. And there's no real rights or wrongs anymore, except if you're rich and powerful, that's what's called right. So might is right. But definitely eugenics is all part of it. Um, I could go on and on about this, but so many articles to do with eugenics right now, and uh, where we're going with it all, but it would take hours and hours to go through and explain it all. And then there's an article, too, about the development of mind control weapons, and it gives you a long history about it. That's quite interesting um, about the drugging that the, the, the Nazis used. Before that, of course, the communists were doing live experiments on people where they basically sawed off uh, the top part of their skull and exposed their brain. Every one of their victims, of course, was killed eventually. But there's did a lot of experimentation on the brain itself by probing it, putting electrodes in, shocking it, uh, stimulating different parts, all that kind of stuff. But this article here has to do with mind-reading technologies and where it's all going, and uh, to do also with, uh, well, basically, all the games that are out now, they can basically manipulate your mind uh, through palpation of the surface of your your brain, basically. It learns how you work or what parts kick in. I've got a couple of articles like that. And then here's this one here, before we go to the callers. Mexican newspaper uncovers systemic monitoring plans of public online sources. Well, they've always been at this. We know the governments, but here it goes. Two weeks ago, the Mexican newspaper El Millennio reported on a U.S. Department of Homeland Security Office of Operations, Coordination and Planning initiative to opt to monitor social media sites, blogs and forums throughout the world. The document obtained by El Millennio uh, through a U.S. Freedom of Information Act requires disclosures how OPC's National Operations Center, which is called NOC, begins to initiate systematic monitoring of publicly available online data, including information posted by individual account users on social media. The NOC monitors, collects, and fuses information, this we call the fusion centers, from a variety of sources to provide real-time snapshots of the U.S. nation's threat environment at any moment. The NOC also coordinates information sharing to help deter, detect, and prevent terrorist attacks and to manage U.S. domestic incidents. The NOC has initiated systemic uh, monitoring of publicly available user-generated data to follow real-time developments in U.S. crisis activities, such as natural disasters and so on. Since the monitoring program appears to have its basis in a similar program used by NOC in its Haitian disaster relief efforts, where information from social media sources provided a vital source of real-time inputs. And since the NOC's report entitled Privacy Impact Assessment of Publicly Available Social Media and Monitoring and Situational Awareness Initiatives reveals that the NOC's team of data miners are gathering, storing, analyzing, and sharing re-de-identified online information. The sources of information are members of the public, the first responders, press, volunteers, and others who provide online publicly available information. To collect the information, the NOC monitors search terms such as United Nations, law enforcement, anthrax, Mexico, cauldron, Colombia, marijuana, drug war, illegal immigrants, 
Yemen, Yemen pirates, tsunami, earthquake, airports, body scanner, hacker, DDoS, cybersecurity, 2600, and social media. The report also contains a list of sites targeted for monitoring, including numerous blogs and news sites, as well as WikiLeaks, Technorati, Global Voices Online, Facebook, and Twitter, everything in other words. As the report was released in January 2011, this monitoring may already be, be taking place. Well, of course it was taking place before, long before that. And even talks about how it was used during the G20 meeting in Toronto. Just monitoring of purely public information to assist uh, situational threats can also lead to abuse. During the G20 meeting in Toronto, Canada, police monitoring of real-time on the ground social media interactions was used to locate and arrest large numbers of peaceful protesters. As noted by Constable Drummond, a law enforcement agent uh, deeply involved in Canadian G20 social media and surveillance efforts, he says people have a tendency to have tunnel vision when posting things on sites, feeling faceless and untraceable. It is with these postings that we were able to use our talent and use information posted to our advantage. It allowed our officers to monitor public sites that protesters were using to share information. In the lead-up to the G20 in Pittsburgh, two individuals were arrested for broadcasting police positions on Twitter in an attempt to help peaceful protesters. In the UK, Paul Chambers, a 27-year-old accountant, was convicted of menacing for post... I don't know what kind of law that is, menacing law, I guess, for posting a joke on his Twitter feed, which is taken by government agents to be an airport security threat. As Chambers used the NOC-listed search term airport in his joke, it may have come to NOC's attention had it been tweeted in the U.S. The report reminds individuals that if they do not want the NOC to collect their public data, they should not make it public in the first place. It's all legalities, and you give it to them freely. All your data, every single person has been monitored all the time. And they tell right off the bat, don't give them your data. Mind you, they'll, they'll find it other ways, but uh, maybe not as much in real time, that is. But uh, with all the gizmos and gadgets today, people just cannot keep their mouth shut. They're going to be talking all the time to their friends in faraway places through the ether. And it's all being recorded and broken down and added to your uh, your actual file, your personality file for, for profiling purposes. They update it all the time. Now, we'll go to the callers, and there's John from New York City on the line. Are you there, John? Hello. Hey, hello? Yes. Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yep. I, uh, I just want to comment on the depopulation thing. Uh, I was reading the newspaper, and it was about, and I was just uh, skimming through it, and there's this thing on Jennifer Lopez that she's divorcing, and I just want to add to your talk on shock and awe, how the people like to identify with celebrities, and I really think that's true. Yeah. And and I'm just looking at all these statistics of certain women at certain age levels that choose to live a a, a quote-unquote babyless lifestyle, and it's just, I mean, I don't know. And and I just like to add this uh, retarded comment. Uh, there's, there's this show called, Fe- called Futurama by Matt Groening, who I think is a Freemason. Uh-huh. And and uh, in the cartoon, and I want to tie this in with a quote by Winston Churchill. He said, quote, a joke is a serious thing, unquote. So in this 
comedic uh, cartooning or whatever, they, they, in the in the world, there's this thing called a uh, suicide booth that you walk in it and then you choose how you want to die, slow or fast. Huh. And the way things are going in the world, I mean, I will be surprised if 50 years later they actually have one of those crazy things. Well, it's not so far-fetched, um, because if you read the, the, the basic things on euthanasia, um, they actually had the people in Britain last year to come out, top people, uh, literally, whether it was joking or not, it wasn't really joking, he wanted it, this guy, an MP, I think, wanted uh, euthanasia booths, he says, why not put them on every street corner? And he said, when people have had, uh, they're sick, or they've, got, they've had enough of life, they can go in and kill themselves, and, and they're actually talking about that. And if they make life bad enough for you and miserable enough, like the sci-fis that they've always shown you in these disaster movies where you're, you're all dressed in rags and you've got these these massive police forces above you dressed like gorillas. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, life would not be that pleasant and people would actually take the, the choice if that was the case. So life can be made so unpleasant that you wouldn't want to live, yeah. Well, thanks for taking my call. Well, thanks for calling. And there's Larry from Louisiana. Are you there, Larry? Hi, Alan. Uh, I'd like to give you an example. Uh, you can stick with this one in your Ripley's Believe It or Not hat unless it's happened to you, about how far along the mind-reading technologies are and how close proximity they are to, to a lot of people right now. Mm-hmm. About two months ago, I had my cell phone on speakerphone. I dialed 1411 for direct reassistance. My wife heard it, too. And the computer came on and said, what city, please? And before I could speak in my voice, my cell phone said, Alexandria, Louisiana, which was exactly what I was going to say. And the lady came on live and said, what listing, please? And I said, what listing? How do you know (laughs) what city I want? She said, because I heard you say Alexandria, Louisiana. Uh Now, that's quite simple. Uh, how this works. They said the Human Genome Project was done, and of course, that was told us real late. Yeah, yeah hold on a second, and, and we'll go back to that when I come back. Yeah. Folks, we're back, coming through the Matrix, talking to Larry Louisiana, who had one of these odd experiences that we get once in a while with computers and phones, and basically predicting what you're going to say next. And it's old stuff, actually. I will put an article up tonight about it on Neurosystems Project, it's called, and one of the companies is called the Motive Inc., that also makes these for government and other, other corporations. But carry on, uh, Larry. Right, Alan. Uh, Now, uh, they said the Human Genome Project was done long ago, and about four years ago, they said, oh, for the first time out of Germany, nine living human brain cells was fed a computer message on one end and was received out the other end. So it's real simple to see. Now, there's a communication between a mother and a child or between identical twins and actually can be worked between all people. If I can biometrically blueprint your brain down to where this communication can happen, I can take your blood and I can clone those brain cells in that gland of your brain and make a biochip out of it 
They don't call it AI because they're expecting the gold and the silver and the crystals and the plastic to come to life. They call it AI and it's going to live because it has our brain cells living in it. Mm -hmm. Now, I can send that message through this cell phone and these cell towers and through the satellites, the wiring in your house to you, and you will think in your own mind that you are generating these thoughts when they're being projected into your head from your own brain cells. A lot of that came out years ago. You're quite right on that, where they actually had technologies at very high levels, and Big Big Edge brought that out. Um, where they could actually take words. It's called corrective programming. They could actually pick up uh, and and analyze what you were thinking, and if you were incorrect in your thinking, as they deemed it, the computer would automatically rectify it and bounce it back into your head. Literally, I'm not kidding. Uh, And this stuff is here, but uh, you're quite right. And they do have uh, massive, of all our DNA there, absolutely. And I read an article just a couple of days ago there. I might try and find it tonight where there's an international company using all the, the sampling that they got from the Human Genome Project, and it's to do with this project now international, and to do with science and how they're going ahead with it, with our different cells and so on. So you're not off the mark at all. I think you're probably quite right. Yeah, yeah. so people, you're holding the mind-reading device right in your hand. I'm holding one right now. It's called a cell phone and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. Thank you, Alan. And thanks for calling. And certainly, you can certainly, again... Um, alter um, the, the DNA frequencies too with different frequencies of electricity. We all run on electricity, very small amounts of electricity. People used to think it was high amounts. We run on small amounts and you can literally, um, in fact that's one of the big branches of medicine now is reprogramming cells and, and reprogramming uh, the carriers, the enzymes for proteins to different parts of the body because each cell type that you have and the tissues that you have has its own frequency. If, it's, if you're sick or it's off, you won't, you won't get enough of what you need because the carrying cells vibrate at the same frequency as its target. If it one's off, it won't reach it. So now they can actually match it and make sure that you get the right amounts of nutrients going to that particular type of tissue. That's, that's big, big medicine practiced in practice today for those who can afford it. But so it's the same thing with um, reprogramming any types of tissue. And by the same way, token, by the way, <laughs> think about it, they can program uh, abnormalities too, like tumors, just through the, through the towers and the waves. Everything is always comes out of the weapon industry, the armaments industry, before we get it for other purposes. Always, always remember that. And maybe, maybe Gary from New York can call in next week. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God, school with you. <laughs>